For our text this morning, we'll reread a portion of our scripture reading. We'll read from Ephesians chapter 2, the first five verses. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. How many of you have ever heard somebody say to you, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news? What do you want to hear first? Well, if you're like me, I choose the bad news first because I'm hoping the good news will offset the bad news. You know, bad news is what makes good news good. Without bad news, we wouldn't need any good news. Well, Paul here, as he was writing to the church in Ephesus, he had some bad news for them, and he had some good news for them. And he started with the bad news. He let them know that, and he lets us know as well, without Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and in our sins. We were born that way. There's nothing in our own strength that we can do about that. We are on the wrong side of God's grace when we come into this world. And he says, by nature, we were the children of wrath, even as others. Well, if I closed the Bible right now and said, let's come and pray, you probably wouldn't feel very encouraged. That's the bad news. But God gives us some very good news to offset that bad news. Verse 4 and 5. It says, God, who is rich in mercy, wherewith he loved us, his great love for us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you're saved. God is rich in mercy. We're thankful for that. God's mercy is great news. The word gospel literally means good news. The good news is that God is not only a God of judgment and wrath, which we deserve, by the way, but he's a God of mercy and grace. We hear a lot about grace. We hear mercy and grace mentioned. We hear a lot about mercy. What exactly is mercy? Well, I found some definitions that pretty well describe what mercy is. Mercy is kind or forgiving treatment to one who could be treated harshly. Mercy is compassion for the miserable. Mercy is giving up our right to hurt back or refraining from harming offenders. And the definition I think maybe best fits as far as the gospel is it's a delaying of punishment. Mercy is delayed punishment. You know, mercy is not a dismissal of sin. It is just the delaying of the punishment and the penalty for sin. 
Mercy is not a license or an excuse for sin. We know in the Word of God, it's very clear, all sin, if it's unrepented of, will one day be punished. It tells us the wages of sin is death. That is the end result of sin. But mercy is that time in which God allows us an opportunity to repent. That's mercy. It's like a grace period. We know we deserve judgment. But before God sends that judgment, He allows us this time to turn to Him. We read of some of the benefits of God's mercy. Lamentation 3, verse 22. We see not only does mercy delay punishment, but it prolongs life. It says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. Make no mistake. God hates sin. Sin is an awful offense to a righteous, holy God. Psalm 711 says, God is angry with the wicked every day. But God's mercy offsets His righteous anger and His judgment. Mercy is good news for every one of us. We have different accounts in God's Word of where we see God extending this period of mercy or grace. I think of the account of Noah and the ark there in Genesis. And we often think of that as an account of judgment. And it was. God says that the whole world had corrupted themselves. It says the hearts and the imagination of man was only evil continually. It repented God that He'd ever created man. So He was going to destroy the earth with a flood. And He gave that warning. But In the midst of that account, we see God's mercy extended time and time again. He warned Noah. He says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Let him know what he was going to do. And as you read that account, you realize that it took Noah approximately 120 years to build that ark. And he wasn't just focused on building that ark and saving his own family. It says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So we see for 120 years... Noah was warning the people of God's judgment to come, giving them an opportunity. They could have gotten on that ark with Noah and his family. You know, God could have devised another plan to deliver Noah instantly, and He could have sent instant judgment, but He didn't. He gave Noah a plan that took 120 years to complete, and during that 120 years, God's mercy was being extended. We read another account in the book of Jonah. We know that God gave Jonah a message to take to the city of Nineveh. He told Jonah, go cry against the city for their wickedness has come up before me. The people of Nineveh were a barbaric heathen people that had treated God's people horribly. And God had had enough. So he said, I'm going to overthrow the city. Judgment is coming. But before God sent Judgment, he sent mercy. He sent Jonah with a message. What was that message? It says, Repent, because in 40 days the city shall be overthrown. So rather than just execute judgment immediately, he gave him an extra 40 days. It's like a grace period. That's mercy being extended. And we know that that extended mercy had its desired effect. It says that the whole city repented and they were spared from the wrath of God. Jonah 3.10 it says, and God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that He had said that He would do unto them, 
and he did it not. So we can see mercy delays judgment. It prolongs life. Of course, the most important thing the Bible says, it's only by God's mercy that we're saved. Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. It's not by works of righteousness. This is not something that we earn or somehow something we can develop on our own. It is a gift from God himself. It's by his mercy that we're saved. Luke 18, Jesus gives us the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. We won't take the time to read it, but you'll see in that account that Pharisee, he spent his whole prayer telling God about how great he was, how wonderful he was. He was praising himself, told God, you know, I'm glad I'm not like, he says, I'm not an extortioner, I'm not unjust. I'm sure he thought he was very fair in his mind, not an adulterer. And most of all, I'm thankful I'm not like this publican. Well, that was his prayer. But then we see the prayer of the publican. It wasn't very long. Only seven words. It says the publican couldn't even so much as lift up his eyes to heaven, but he just cried out to the Lord, and his prayer was, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Luke 18.14 says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Mercy is not something we deserve. It's not something... We yearn. It is extended solely upon God's grace and His mercy unto us and His incredible love to us. You know, we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. The only thing we can do is throw ourselves upon it. And so this man did. He threw himself on God's mercy. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That man went home justified that day. Proverbs eleven seventeen tells us, The merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. You want to do something good for yourself? I mean, that almost sounds selfish. But it says here, the merciful man doeth good to his own soul. Show mercy, show kindness to others. It's good for you. Whether or not they appreciate it doesn't matter. It's good for you. It's good for your soul. Luke 6, Jesus instructs us to love our enemies, do good, and to lend without expecting anything in return. And he said that your reward would be great and you would be called the children of the highest. He says the cruel man troubleth his own flesh. The cruel man is often hated and feared and despised by those around him. He lacks any close friends. He leads a lonely, miserable life. And the Bible tells us that his death is more likely to be celebrated than mourned. Proverbs 11.10 says, When the wicked perish, there is shouting. So we can see the merciful man doeth good to his own soul. Micah 7.18 gives us a beautiful promise. It says, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. That's great news for us. God delights in mercy. God would rather extend mercy than judgment any day. Yes, God is a God of righteousness and judgment, but he's a God of mercy and grace. That will always come first. He delights in it. It tells us in Peter that 
Uh, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's the mercy of God. Mercy is the greatest thing we can receive from the Lord. I'm sure there are many needs represented here this morning. You may think of a particular need that you would like to have from the Lord, something you want to receive from the Lord, but the greatest thing that any of us can receive is His mercy. That is the thing we need the most. The good news is it's available. We can have God's mercy. And the Bible tells us there's two ways we can receive it or obtain it. We receive it through the fear of the Lord, and we obtain it by showing it to others. Psalm 103, verse 17 and 18. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him, and His righteousness unto children's children to such as keep His covenant and to those that remember His commandments to do them. It's from everlasting to everlasting, but it's to those who will honor and obey God. It's to those who will remember His commandments and obey Him. To those, it's everlasting. It doesn't run out. It's extended forever. We receive it and we get it by the fear of the Lord. And then, of course, we know we obtain it by showing it to others. Matthew 5, verse 7. This was one of Christ's Beatitudes. He says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. This works the same way forgiveness does. Jesus said, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. And it also tells us if we've received forgiveness, we must extend forgiveness to others. It says, how do we forgive? The same way Christ forgave us. Well, mercy is the same thing. It acts in the same way. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We have to give it to receive it. It says, freely ye have received, freely give. You know, mercy allows us to be charitable in our thoughts and in our actions toward others. 1 Corinthians 13.5, it says, Charity isn't easily provoked. It thinketh no evil. It allows us to give others the benefit of the doubt. We certainly appreciate mercy from others, don't we? But we must show it to others to continue to receive it. You know, mercy allows us to see people the way Jesus sees them rather than the way we see them. There's a big difference there. I think about that song. It says, He looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. That's what mercy does. It allows us to forgive the mistakes of others. Now, we know there's a big difference between mistakes and sin. Sin is something that is done willfully and with knowledge. It's done deliberately. It's something that we commit knowingly. Mistakes are not the same thing. Mistakes are not done intentionally. Making mistakes is part of being human. You know, a godly person with godly motives can still have errors in judgment. They can still make mistakes. And it's during those times when we truly appreciate mercy from others. You know, even people in the world understand the value of showing mercy at times. I read a story about John D. Rockefeller. 
And at the time he was alive, he was one of the wealthiest men in the entire world. He started the Standard Oil Company. And he was known to demand high performance from his executives. And he had a very high standard and a high level. Well, one day, one of his executives made a $2 million mistake. And that's a lot of money now, but it was a lot of money back then. Well, word got around in the office of what this man had done, and all the other executives were trying to stay as far away from Rockefeller as possible because they knew he would be on the war path, and so they didn't want to uh, be in his way when he was when he was being wrathful, or they thought he was going to be anyway, so they avoided him. Well, it says one man didn't have a choice. He had an appointment with the boss, so... He had to go see him. He straightened up his shoulders, tightened his belt, and walked into Rockefeller's office. It says, as he approached the oil monarch's desk, Rockefeller looked up from the piece of paper on which he was writing. I guess you've heard about the $2 million mistake our friend made, he asked abruptly. Yes, the executive said, expecting Rockefeller to explode. Well, I've been sitting here listing all of our friends' good qualities on this sheet of paper. And I've discovered that in the past he has made us many times more the amount than he lost for us today by his one mistake. His good points far outweigh this one human error, so I think we ought to forgive him. There was one executive who went home very happy that day, no doubt, because he experienced mercy. Well, in the same way, that's the kind of mercy God extends to us. Aren't you thankful? He overlooks our mistakes, and they can be big sometimes. We may even feel like, you know, I've almost disqualified myself, but God is merciful. He says, I'll help you. I'll give you grace. Try again. That's what mercy does. It overlooks our faults, and it sees our needs. So we get mercy the fear of the Lord by showing it to others. And the Word of God also tells us there's two ways we can forsake mercy. By observing lying vanities and by refusing to show mercy to others. Jonah 2.8 says, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. You might wonder what a lying vanity is. Well, it's any thought, idea, or action that contradicts God's Word. Anything that's untrue is a lying vanity. And if you believe those things, you forsake your own mercy. You know, I was thinking about some lying vanities that the devil comes along and he'll whisper in our ears from time to time. You've probably heard some of these. How about this one? God's not fair. You ever heard that? That's a lying vanity. Don't go down that path, because if you do, you will forsake your own mercy. You know, if you give in to this idea that God is unfair, then when you're facing a difficulty or trial, you're not going to call out to the Lord. You're going to blame Him for your problems. God is perfect. God makes no mistakes. Sometimes God allows us to find ourselves at a difficult place because of His mercy. But God is always fair, so don't believe that lying vanity. Here's another one. Sacrifice can replace obedience. It's amazing how many people try to give the Lord all kinds of things and stuff He's not asking for rather than give Him the one thing He is requiring. If you try to do that, you forsake your own mercy. 
It tells us, it says, to obey is better than sacrifice, to hearken than the fat of rams. We see what that did to King Saul. One of his first recorded sins was in the form of a sacrifice. God had told him to wait till Samuel came and he would offer the sacrifice and God would give him direction on what to do. But he was facing this battle, so he became impatient. He took matters into his own hands and in defiance of what God commanded him, he tried to offer that sacrifice. And that was the beginning of the end for King Saul. To obey is better than sacrifice. The only time God will accept a sacrifice is if it's given from a heart of obedience. But sacrifice never replaces obedience. And here's the last one. There's probably others, but this is probably the most dangerous one of all. This is probably the one that has condemned more people to a lost eternity. It's this lie that you can wait until tomorrow. There's more time. You don't really need to be saved today. There's always tomorrow. Certainly God's mercy was here today. Maybe God will extend it to you tomorrow. Doesn't the Bible say God is mercy is from everlasting to everlasting? It certainly does. But it tells us it's for those who fear him. It's for those who remember his commandments and do them. That's who mercy is continually extended to. You know, the sinner is extended mercy, but there's no guarantees God will extend it tomorrow. It won't always be available. It says because sentence against evil isn't, isn't speedily executed speedily. It says the heart of man is fully set to do evil. So men think they can presume upon God's mercy and grace. That's a very dangerous thing to do. You know, mercy isn't extended for those that will continually trample it under their feet. But for those that will act on it and, and receive it and throw themselves upon it, God's mercy will always be extended to one like that. So we know we can forsake our mercy by believing or observing lying vanities, and we can forsake it by refusing to give it to others. James 2.13 says, For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. We can place ourselves under God's judgment, or we can place ourselves under his mercy. We want to place ourselves under God's mercy. Aren't you thankful? Mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Judgment is coming. But thank God, His mercy and grace is extended today. You know, when I was a kid, I used to hear some of the old timers say, the door of mercy is still ajar. I wasn't sure what that meant as a kid, but I understand it now. You know, each day that passes... Is one day closer to eternity and God's judgment is coming. But aren't you thankful that door of mercy today, this morning, is still ajar for those who need it. And if you're unsaved, if you throw yourself on God's mercy, pray like that publican, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. God will save you today. God will help you. If you're struggling to extend mercy to others, remember what God did for you and it won't be so difficult and the Lord will help you. You know, God extends an invitation this morning. We'll close with one verse, Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him 
and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. Thank God for His mercy. That is the good news of the Gospel. Extended today, God can give you mercy and grace to meet whatever need you're facing today. If you'll avail yourself of that offer, God will meet you. Let's come and pray. The song is 479. These altars are open.